You can be seated. Before we dismiss the kids, I just want to tell you something. I, it hit me so hard just now that we sit there, and I wonder if we even listen to the words that we sing. We hear them. We should be amazed by the fact that we were just singing with borrowed air. I'm standing here preaching. Mark just prayed with a body that, that was created by God that we're only using for a while. And someday our souls are going to return to him who created them in the first place. And that's all free. That's going to be part of what we're talking about in just a little bit when we talk about giving and why. But man, it just hit me so hard that I'm singing to him with something that doesn't even really belong to me. That's a beautiful thing, y'all. We're blessed that we're loved by such a perfect and holy God. Right now, though, I get the honor, obviously, of saying kinder first and second. We're going to go out this door right over here if you want. We're going to go over to children's worship. We're going to have a great lesson, hopefully a lot of fun today. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. You little troublemakers that you are. <laughs> right up the stairs. They didn't wait for their call. They were like, and we're gone. So uh, as we get ready to, uh, as they're gone, one of the things uh, that I want to make sure that we understand is, is why I'm standing here. I'm, I'm, my name's Howard Tipton. Like I said, I'm the student pastor. Don't need that. Thank you, Michelle. But my wife's so helpful and distracting. She's handing me, do you need this? No, that was parent-child dedication. Do not need that. But thank you, baby. Very helpful. Um, but, but uh, actually, Alan called me, and he has a really unique opportunity today that was a huge blessing for him. Uh, he called me, uh, talked to me a little while back, said, hey, I've got some stuff coming up. Um, they're doing a, a ceremony at the cemetery where his dad's buried. They do this every year, and his dad was, was a really intricate part of setting it up and doing some stuff. Uh, if you know, uh, Alan lost his dad recently. And they asked him if he would come and preach the, the sermon at it. And it was a huge, great honor for him to get to go do that. It's something that his dad was such a huge part of. Also to be with his mom, obviously on Mother's Day, which can be difficult even though it's a blessing. And um, so that's where Alan is. I, I, I got to the, the tap on the shoulder, and I'll explain that in just a second. But let me, let me do say this, though. Hey, happy Mother's Day, right? I mean, it's a big deal. Mother's, man. I, I, my mom is a mother. I have one. Uh, my wife is a mother. My, my sister's here today. She is a mother. And, and I know several mothers. In fact, I wouldn't even have my job here if it weren't for moms. So thank you. We appreciate you. Um, and, and, and like Crystal said, like my sister said, though, I, I do want you all to know that we, we also see that while Mother's Day is a beautiful day and a wonderful day for some, it can be a very sad day. It's, it's a difficult day because of loss or what we'd hoped for but didn't. Or perhaps maybe your mom and you didn't have the relationship that either one of you would have liked to have had. And so while we rejoice with moms, we also want the rest of you to know that this day we get can be trying and difficult. We see you, we value you, and we love you. And if there's anything that we can do as a church body, just like we, we promised a minute ago to help these families and as they raise their babies, our, our dedication is to you as well as you go through difficult times and difficult things, to stand with you. I, I don't know that we have something to say that's going to make it necessarily better, but I do know this. When I've gone through hard times, sometimes the nicest thing is to have somebody just standing by me. And this is free. This has nothing to do with daily sermon. Don't try to say everything right when you're that person standing here. Sometimes just shut up and stand there. Sometimes all they need is to know I'm not alone right now. That somebody loves me and somebody cares enough to see that I'm here. And guys, I don't know about you, but I need that, and I'm sure there's a lot of people here that do. And so, praise God that we're here. Praise God for moms. We love you. And we'll talk some more about that, actually, as we get into this sermon. So, <clears throat> 
pardon me. Like I said, Alan is away right now, and I get the honor of talking about God's Word today. And I know that there is at least one lady who's sitting at home right now watching us who would say, well, praise God, I get to hear some good preaching today. <laughs> yeah. And the harder they laugh, they know who you are. And here's the beauty of that. Though. I do want you to know this. Uh, she would say that to Alan if he were here in front of me. Oh, oh, Pastor Alan, praise God, I got to hear some fantastic preaching. Finally, finally, this last week. And then she would say something about how she hasn't been missing me. But this lovely lady hasn't been able to be with us yet. You know, they're, they're wisely, I believe, staying at home for right now just to make sure that they're, they're healthy and safe. We miss you. We love you. Uh, she gets that there is a sixth love language. If y'all know there's only supposed to be five, there is a sixth, and that is picking on people. And I know it is one of my, my biggest. If you pick on me, I know you love me because you have to take the time to invest to figure out how to mess with me. You know, and it is absolutely how I show affection to people. Um, but, but that being said, Ms. Al, I love you, uh, and we miss you, and thank you for, I'm sure you're watching today. If you're not, I know you'll see it later this week. And for all the, those of you that are out there, we love you and miss you, and we understand uh, why you can't be here right now, but we love you just like we were talking about. This is a family, and so thank you for being with us. Um, so when Alan approached me about this passage, uh, he says, hey, man, I've got this thing coming up, and do you want to... Uh, uh, do you mind taking care of it? I'm sorry, no, no, I'd love to. I'd love to get to preach for you. It's a blessing. It's an honor to get to be up here. It's a little, you know, scary too because I'm standing up here saying, here's what God says. But then he says, okay, cool. As soon as I said yes, and it was like, wait, that was quick. He's like, yeah, good. And I was like, um, and then he goes, I'll send you the passage in a minute, but it's on giving. Are you okay with that? And I was like, aha, <laughs> I get it now. And I was like, oh man, giving, right? Um, to be honestly, he didn't like sucker me into it like that. It was close, but it wasn't like that. It was, hey man, oh, and by the way, here's the passage. It is on giving. Are you actually comfortable with that? And you know, my first thought is no, of course not. Why would I be comfortable preaching about giving? Because I know by and large, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to talk about it. And I'll tell you one of the main reasons we don't want to hear it. The first thing that's probably come into somebody's mind out there, if it hasn't, it's come into mind before is, here we go. All they want is my money. That's what this is about. And, and to be honest and fair to the people who think that, they, they don't think that for no reason, right? I mean, you don't have to go far. We can go and leave this room, go turn on a television right now. We can put it up on the screen right now, and there's going to be some pastor out there telling you how you need to give money because of this, 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 and this, and ultimately all it's going to be about is I need a third house and I need a jet plane to fly around the world, Right? And so it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult topic to talk about giving. And I think it's kind of silly of us to be that way because the Bible talks about giving a lot. You know, in youth, we talk about things like, uh, we have a thing called Hot Topic where they can talk about any topic they want to. And, and the, the, the questions range just deep theological questions to could God microwave a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it, right? <laughs> Those we don't really answer. Yes, and he could eat it. He could, but anyway sometimes like dinosaurs will come up and i love conversations about dinosaurs i think it's a fantastic thing to think about where when how all that kind of stuff but the bible doesn't talk a whole lot about dinosaurs right so i don't think we should talk about those topics very much we should talk about them a little because it talks about them a little but the things that, that it talks about like heaven and hell and god's wrath and god's love and justice and mercy and grace it talks about in volumes so should, we should talk about those things a lot right God talks about giving and generosity a ton. 
but we're quiet about it. And it's weird to me, too, because we don't do this on any other subject. Subject. Think about it. If, if there's a bad topic out there like, like sexuality or something like that, which I don't know if you're paying attention, but this is a hot topic right now, and it is in our kids' faces, and they are lying to us and your children. And they're telling them, this is okay, and that's okay, and it doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if they're married. You can do anything you want with anyone you want. Pretty soon, anything you want and pastors all over the nation stand up and go, that is not correct. Let me tell you the truth of this. Marriage is the confines for sexuality. It is between one man and one woman, and it is designed to grow them together and procreate if possible. We stand up and say, this is God's word, and we stand on it, whether you like it or not. Sometimes we're a little abrasive about it, just to be clear. But there are ways to say the truth in love to help people instead of hurt them. And, but we do that. We're like, no, you can't just speak about this topic all you want to try to mess it up. We know the truth and we're going to speak it. I'll tell you another one that we stand up on is there's a lot of teaching out there right now that, man, you can get to heaven any way you want to. You can uh, do this. You can do that. You can go through Allah. You can go through Buddha. You can go however. Be a better person. Give more to the church even. And you can go to heaven. Work your way to God. That's false. The Bible says, no, that's not correct. So we as pastors stand up and go, absolutely not. Jesus Christ is the only name given among heaven whereby you must be saved. There is no other name given. It is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. You cannot work your way there. You have to give your life to him, accept his grace, his free gift of salvation, give your life back to him, then you can get heaven. We say that clearly. And then we have people out there, like I was talking about a minute ago, saying, give me money, give me your last dollar, so that I can have. We have them saying, give us a bunch of money, and God's guaranteed to give you a bunch of money back. You want that new Cadillac? Promise it on this penny. I've got this penny now, and this is God's deposit for my Cadillac that I'm going to drive. This is God's deposit for my brand new house. And we as pastors do this. And it is an injustice to people to allow false teaching to be out there and not correct it. It is our job to stand in pulpits, in small groups, in hope groups, with our friends, with our family, and say the truth of God's word is this. Whether you like it or whether I like it, it does not matter. God is right, and all of us are liars. And so we're going to try to do that a little bit today. Um, hopefully, we'll understand some things a little bit better today. We'll... we'll move a little bit closer to God's idea of, of what giving is about, why we give. Um, but I want to make sure I start with this. If you're one of those people like I have been, that says, man, all he wants is my money. I want to say two things to you that hopefully will help you hear the rest of the sermon. Because I know for me, if I get off on something like that, man, all he wants is my money. I'm done. I'm not listening anymore, right? We've been there. Number one, as a Christian, what right do you have to say that anything that you have is yours? Number two is this simply. It ain't about the money. Here's what I mean by that. What do you think God needs from you? What do you think that the creator of the heaven and earth, out of nothing... There was nothing, and he said, and then there was. What do you think he needs from you? You think you bring something to the table that he doesn't already have? We just sang, it's your breath in my lungs. I'm breathing and speaking right now because he's allowing it. 
And let me tell you this too, he could take it if he wants to, and he ain't wrong. So what does he need from me? What does he need from you? The answer is nothing. You bring nothing to the table. I bring nothing to the table. I pay my tithes and I give my offerings here and it does not keep the lights on. These doors are open. I get a salary. We get these, uh, the AC running and stuff like that because God chooses for them to keep doing it. And when he chooses for them to not, the doors will close and the lights will go out. But that's in my life and yours. That's at your house too. That's at your job too. It's, it's, there we go. Suddenly, we're good again. You want to give me those just in case? And these batteries belong to God. Amen? Look. While he needs nothing from us, there are some things he wants from us. Mostly what he wants is our trust. He wants our faith. Because when we give him our trust and when we give him our faith, what we get from him is grace. Because anything he gives you, you did not earn. Anything he gives you, you actually don't deserve this unmerited favor. You actually deserve disfavor from him. We are his enemies until we accept Jesus Christ. And he goes, hey, trust me in this. Even though you're my enemy, I want you to let my son pay for what you did wrong. I'm going to put my love for him into your account and I'm going to let him pay for you because you can't pay, you're broke. And it's the same thing with giving. We're going to learn more about that in just a second, but ultimately God's saying, trust in me and I promise what you're going to get back is better than anything that you could have or buy on your own. So let's talk about it a little bit. <coughs> Pardon me. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it starts like this. It says, the point is this. This is Paul talking. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written... He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So God, I pray today that as we study your word and try to understand what your heart for giving is and what you want from us, I pray that you would teach us through this as, as, as a group of people sought to help another group of people that were their brothers and sisters who were, who were going through some difficult things. So help us, God, I pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So here, here's the story. I've got to give you a little bit of backstory because it, once like all the passages I end up getting assigned, they start with something like, so my point is this, or therefore. So we have to take a step back and go, well, what's the setting? What are we talking about? So Paul's talking to the church, and he's saying, listen, hey, y'all know all the problems that the church in Jerusalem has had. They've had a famine. They've had tons of persecution. They've been just messed with. They're poor, um, abjectly so. They really don't have any chance of getting out of this on their own. And he talked to the churches, and a while back, they made this promise. They said, listen, we're going to take up an offering, and we're going to help our brothers and sisters over there. We, we don't want them to be alone in this. And Paul's reminding, it's kind of funny because a little time passes and Paul goes, hey, listen, I just want to remind you about the promises you guys made. I don't want you to forget it. I'm going to send some guys there and he's going to help you get it together so that we can take care of their needs and their, not their wants, but their needs. They, they actually have needs. And so it's funny to me a little bit. It's kind of like he's saying, hey, look, I, well, he says, I, I don't want us to be embarrassed. We've been bragging on y'all that y'all intend to do this. I don't want us to be embarrassed. And I don't want y'all to be embarrassed. You said you were going to do this. We're going to come help you do this. And I just want to remind you of the why, right? And so he says this. It says, um, I, I do think one thing that's important when we talk about giving, and it's a little bit of a, a difficult thing sometimes to figure out, is this is not about equal giving. When we talk about you guys giving, we're not asking you to give every person here needs to give a certain amount of money. But we are talking about equal sacrifice. And here's, here's what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I don't, do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever, whoever gathered literal, little, I'll get that out, had no lack. Guys, it, it's not that difficult. We're talking about mothers today. How horrible would it be for a mother to have tons of food, give a bunch of the food over here to these kids, and then take the one and say, I'm sorry you're not getting much today. I mean, this is a simple concept, right? And if we all have a lot to eat, we all have a lot to eat. And if I only have a little, we're all only going to have a little. But we're all going to have whatever we have together, right? Do we live that way? I don't know. I don't know if I do. But... <laughs> Paul reminds them, hey, you, you, you promised to help out. And he says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know, the, uh, Pastor Butch that used to be here, one of the things he always said is God's shovel's bigger than your shovel. It does not matter what you pour into this. What you're, he's going to do is going to be better than it. And we'll talk about the misconception that that can cause in a minute because some people want to take that to mean only money. It ain't that. That's a preview. Um, but... He supplies the needs no matter what if you're faithful in what he's asking to do. I'll never forget early in our marriage, we were first starting to get it right. I'd become a believer. Michelle still believed she was a believer, hadn't become one yet. But um, we were talking about stuff, and I was trying to get our finances right. I had ruined our finances. Michelle was always much better at finances than I am, and I had just ruined them. And we were trying to get it right, so I'm doing a budget, and we're paying bills, and we're trying to get it right, and we're trying to get it right. <clears throat> and I'll remember sitting on the floor, and looking at the stuff in front of me and, and just in despair. I'm trying to get this right. And it ain't happening this month. There's no way. I mean, we all have sometimes gaps, man. Uh, but I can make that up here. I can go find change in the sofa and we'll scrounge it together. And hey, we had mac and cheese tonight, right? <coughs> you won that kind of gap. <coughs> Excuse me. It was the kind of gap like, hey, if I got another check this month, maybe. Right? 
And I'm just, I'm, I'm about to break down, you know, as, as tough and strong as I seem, there is also another very fragile side of me that when I feel hopeless, it's like, and the world ended, right? And luckily I have a very strong wife and, and she said, she goes, well, baby, hold on. Why don't we pray? And we're going to take care of this. God's going to take care of this. We're going to trust him. And I'm like, okay, okay. And she goes, I'll be back. <laughs> I debated how to say this. She went to the bathroom. She goes, I got to go to the bathroom. And she went to the bathroom. So you know what? In a long time, we prayed, I prayed. And before she got back, the phone's ringing. Hey, this is the fire department. Somebody had to leave. You want to come in for the rest of the shift? God didn't give us a bunch of money to take care of it, but he did give me the ability to take care of it. It was an answered prayer. And sometimes, like I said, he shows up in ways that you don't expect him to show up. It's not always money that he's going to give you. A lot of times it's the ability to, to earn some money. Or, uh, you know, another time when we didn't have much money back then, uh, our dryer went out. And my wife, being an amazing woman, was like, baby, it's okay. And I'm feeling like a failure again. Baby, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Build me some clotheslines. Which, if you've never had clothesline dried towels, you do not know what you're missing. It is fantastic. They are hard as a rock. It is, I mean, I love them. I'm serious. It sounded like I was putting them down. I love them. But she did that, and we went on for a while. And to this day, I still don't know who God used. But we drove back up to our house one day, and there was a dryer sitting in our drive. It was not a brand new one. It had some rust on it. It wasn't the model. If I'd had the money, I'd have gone and picked out for her. But it was the one God picked out for her, and he used his people to do it. And I love that dryer more than I love anyone we've had since. I've had nicer dryers since then. Most of them didn't run as well, to be honest. But I love that because I know her daddy gave it to her. Because he loves us, and he's going to take care of the needs of his people. So, all that being said to say, Paul's trying to help him understand that, man, we don't have to be afraid to trust God. But then he says this, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? Y'all may be like, no, yeah, duh. When I started studying this this week, I was like, nope, this is difficult. I get the first part, right, about what we've decided in our heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, we all can give with wrong motivations. There's a lot of wrong reasons to give money at a church or to charities and things like that. One of them is because we feel pressure from, from the church leadership. I, I can stand up here today, and I'm a fairly convincing talker. Uh, talker? <laughs> how funny is that? I messed up speaking while well, I was talking about how I'm a convincing talker. I'm a fairly convincing speaker. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and, and I could kind of browbeat you and make you feel like we should give more. And a lot of pastors do that. And so you feel like, man, I'm a bad Christian or I'm not a very good person if I'm not contributing more, if I'm not giving more. And I could even motivate some of you that maybe are having some of the struggles I was talking about a minute ago that Michelle and I had early on to giving up and making it harder for you and, and by doing so burdening you, which Paul says not to do, right? Sometimes too, though, to be fair, we may be up here standing here teaching fine about it. This may happen today because we're talking about giving. Somebody out there may put it on themselves. Well, I'm a bad person because I'm not giving enough. I'm not a bad person because I, I should be able to give more. And if I hadn't messed up over here, I'd be able to give more now. Fine, whatever. God knows your heart, and that's what this is about. It's about trusting him, not about money, right? 
So we know that we can give because we think, uh, man, I'm just not being a very good person if I don't. But one of the other bad motivations is we can give out of the false notion that if I give, give to God, he's obligated to give me more money back. And if you haven't heard this teaching, it's everywhere. They take scripture and pervert it. The ones that we talked about just a second ago are easily perverted. That if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Or you'll get a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? Right? So give is the attitude, right? And if I do that, he's obligated to give to me. Like he's some giant rigged slot machine in the sky that if I put money in and pull the lever, he's paying off. And I don't know about you and your image of God, but that's not the God I believe in. The God I believe in is self-determinate. He does whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to. He is never contrary to his will, who he is, his character, who he is. But if you think you obligate him by doing something, be careful. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Unless he's actually promised in Scripture, if you, then I. Don't, don't add those in, because you're going to be really disappointed when they don't come to fruition. Or if they do come to fruition... Maybe it ain't God giving you that stuff. And maybe it's not helpful for you. But the, the last one that I think is actually kind of prevalent, too, is we can give because we think God will love us less if we don't or more if we do. What a horrible mistake, guys. God's love has been settled for you. You know, I started to say it was settled over 2,000 years ago, but it was settled before then. From the very dawn of time, before there was time, God said, here's my plan for what I'm doing here, and it included God sending Jesus to die on a cross for me and you. It's a settled deal. He loved you from the jump. Stop fighting for something that's there for you to take. Stop fighting for some love that's been put into your account that all you have to do is go access it. You act like it's not there, and it is there. And the problem is that we think God has got our love on like a string where he's like, nope, don't love you anymore. Now, the reason we think that is because we love that way as people, right? We've been loved that way, and we love that way. Well, I, I, I've done it to Michelle most of our marriage. It's a terrible, horrible thing. Husbands, do not do this. God's desire for you is to love your spouse unconditionally. That means when she's easy to love and when she's hard to love. Not my wife. She's easy to love all the time. But <laughs> that's a lie. Um, <laughs> but, but God's right, and I'm wrong. I'm supposed to love her anyway, even in those moments. Why? Because that's how he loves he loves us even though, right? Because we're created in his image, we have value. And he goes, I love you. And it's settled. But we keep trying to dig for it and scrap for it and scrounge for it and fight for it like it's not there, ready for us just to take. Here's the funny thing, though. And what does it mean the Lord loves a cheerful giver? What does that mean? And I'll tell you, I stuck on this for a while this week. I was like, what is the deal? And then I read some commentaries and listened to some sermons by people that are a whole lot smarter than me, and it helped a whole bunch. Because God uses other people to speak to us, right? Like I said, God's established his love for us, right? How did he do that? He, he gave his son. His son died so that we could be right with him. And he said, listen, I'm offering my grace to you. Your unmerited favor when you deserve disfavor, when you deserve of me sending you away from me, of disapproving you, I'm going to love you instead. But most people do not access that love even, do they? Because there's a process that you have to go through to get that love, right? Just like if, 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 if somebody put some, some money in a bank account and said, Howard, that's yours, I've got to go through a process to go withdraw out of there, correct? How do I do that? Da-da-da-da-da. 
Well, how do we access the love that God has for us? By grace, through faith. Shouldn't get it, but it's there. And I trust in him that he wants to do it. And I say, okay, if you'll really have me, if you'll really love me, I'm going to give you my life. I'll let you pay for my sins, and I'm going to be yours. And now, for the first time, I've really, truly experienced God's love in a brand new, full way. We all experience it to some degree. We have sunshine and air and water to drink and ground beneath our feet. That's all examples of God's love. But boy, the first time that you go, be my God, it is a whole new thing. It is an entirely different thing. And the way that you experience that love is so much sweeter and so much richer and so much deeper. And I think it's the same thing that he's talking about here. Look, God doesn't love me more because I give, but when I'm excited about being a part of what he's doing and what he's, he's, he's doing in ministry out in the world and next to us and in my life with somebody that's hurting over here or your life with your neighbors, you're going to trust in him, you're going to have faith in him, and you're going to receive grace back. It's a new way to experience God's love about I can be involved in what you're doing. I can trust you with what I have, and I'm going to get something better back. Guys, it's such an easy thing to understand. All God wants from us is for us to trust him. And when we do, we have more, not more righteousness, that's a bad phrase, that would be heretical. But we're right with him in a way that we weren't a minute ago. We understand him better now. We see clearer now. We understand what he's doing and what he wants from us. And because of that, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because it's good for him? No, it's good for us. So, oh, it's like, I, what, what I thought of earlier was it's like, it's like, you know when a dad takes a kid and tosses him in the air? That face they make the first time, right? It ain't yay, <laughs> is it? It's like, I, was, I, was, I think I was talking to Maverick earlier when I came over, and I was like, hey, Maverick. And he said, <gasps> it was kind of like, wait, am I supposed to cry or smile? I don't know. And he chose to smile. I was like, yes, thank you. That would be really bad right before a parent-child dedication to make one of the kids cry. But that's what that kid looks like when you throw him up the first time. They're like, <gasps> no, wait, that was kind of cool right after you catch him, right? And then you do it again, and they're like, no, that was almost all cool. And then eventually, they're like, you need to throw me again. And if there's other kids around, even if they're not your kid, they're going to get in line and go, I'm next. Robert Tice came to me one time and got in line. was like, hey. <laughs> Just saying. But I didn't throw him up in the air. Um, <clears throat> but that's what it's like, man. The more we experience, the more they experience that, Daddy, I can trust you. Daddy, I can trust you. They want to do it more and more and more. That's how we become a cheerful giver. That's how we become anything good in Christ is we just trust him more and more and more and it becomes not terrifying as much. It becomes more joyful and more full. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Like I said just a minute ago, man, sometimes it is scary to trust God and by sometimes I wrote in here with a question mark on it. It's always scary to trust him a little. But especially when it comes to finances. You know, we don't have to be afraid to trust God. We can give without fear. God loves us and he favors us. And he's going to take care of our needs. And why is that, though? It's so that he can use us for his kingdom. 
And we'll talk about that some more in a minute, like I keep saying. But, but ultimately, he wants to give you everything that you need and equip you for anything he calls you to. He doesn't count on you having what you need. He's going to give it to you, whether it's your ability to speak or your ability to sing or your ability to give or your ability to do whatever. Maybe your spiritual gift is picking up trash outside. And if that's it, if you do that for the glory of God, he's happy with you, right? And so uh, it says this. It says, it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And at first I thought, okay, this is talking about God, but it's actually a quote from Psalms 112 and because it says he, right? But when you read it, Psalms 112 is about people who fear the Lord and trust in him. And another translation actually here says, they have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And this is just another one of those examples, guys, that shows that if, if, if you want to know what somebody actually believes is important and what their life is about, you can see it by what they invest in what they spend their time and their talents and their money and their resources and what they get other people involved with them to do is what they're about. And, you know, the old adage, man, check somebody's bank account and check somebody's calendar, and you can tell what people are about. You know, you can tell what, this is what I'm living my life for and this is what am I, I'm investing in. So what are we investing in? It says, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food while supply... I'm sorry, let me read that again in the correct way. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so I feel like I'm talking a ton about Michelle today, but I, I will say this. My wife plants a garden. We have a fantastic garden every year. And when I was thinking about this, you know, this is obviously some, some you know, farming imagery that it's talking about here. And I'm thinking, man, Michelle plants like that. And she works very, very hard at our garden. And she really does nothing. I mean, th think about it. She puts a seed in the ground. God gave the soil. God gave the water. God gave the sun. God, God causes it to grow. God's the one who causes the fruit to produce. And God's the one who gave her the seed in the first place. Right? And it's so funny to me that we don't understand this sometimes as Christians. Because today is the perfect, perfect example of this. I've told this story before, but I get choked up every time. I'm sorry. When I was young, we would try to honor my mama when we would have fried chicken or something like that by giving her the back because she loved the back. She always picked the back. So we're like, let mama have what mama wants. I didn't know till much later. My mama took the back of the chicken because it was the one that had the least meat on it. And she wanted to make sure her kids and her husband had the food that they needed. I didn't understand that. I watched my wife give up her career you know, we all know what childbirth does to a woman's body. She had five kids for me. I watch her give and give and give and give on and on. I've seen it time and again. You moms do this fantastic thing where you just understand generosity. You sacrifice yourself for your children. And the most amazing thing today is already this morning or later today, Kids are going to walk up to their mamas and they're going to say, Mama, I got you this. And they're going to hand them something that their mother supplied everything that paid for that. Right? Right? If they, if they color something, where'd the colors come from? Where'd the paper come from? Where'd the scissors come from? By the way, I'm sorry, moms. I don't know what the phenomenon is where your kids take your scissors and they disappear off the face of the planet. 
that's a thing. But they, they supply all that. If there's something that's bought, that money came out of that mama's bank account, not that kid's bank account. Even if it did, like if you've got a kid that's working or something like that, how did they get where they are? That came from that mama. And the beauty of it is, even though everything I just said now is true, that mama's going to cherish that gift. That mama's going to love that gift because it was given with a cheerful heart. Whether they get it or not, whether we get it or not, we're not giving something to God that he doesn't have. There is nothing that is in my hands that wasn't placed there by God. And so when we give to him, we've got to understand it's all from him. We're going we're to read a, a prayer earlier, uh, later that David talks about where he's uh, given to the temple. And it's so beautiful because he understood it so well. But let me go on with this real quick. He says, he says to, to the church, he says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You know, just as a reminder, remember he's talking here about the, the Gentile church reaching out to the, the, the Jerusalem church and, and saying, hey man, we're going to love you and we're going to take care of you. And he's saying, man, what's going to happen is they're going to be so blessed by it that they're going to thank God for you and him, what he's done through you. And we've been very, very fortunate here. I'll be honest with you. One of the greatest things that's happened here is you have shown your faithfulness in giving. This is not some plea like we're down in money and we need y'all to give more. There, that, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. Y'all have been very faithful. And, and oddly, during COVID, in some ways more faithful in your giving. It's been the most amazing thing to watch. You know, as we started into this, you know, Alan and I and the, the ministerial staff and some of the other guys were talking about, hey, you know, at some point, people are going to start hurting. We may have to pull back some things. And, you know, granted, we didn't spend as much money last year, but even though we didn't spend as much money, you guys gave more. And God has shown up because he's faithful and he uses his people to prove it. And so, you know, but there are some other things that are going on. You know, we've done a, large, uh, a good job largely uh, in the past investing our time and talents as, as well. But we've been in this weird season. And hasn't it been really hard to figure out, God, what am I supposed to be doing right now? You know, some of these things aren't going on. Some of the programs aren't happening right now. We're like, um, God, what? Well, hopefully we use this as an opportunity to, to let God retrain us about what ministry really is. You know, because a lot of ministry does happen up here at the church building, but if this is all the ministry that we do at the church building, man, I think we're missing the point because God is about all or nothing. He wants all of you all the time, wherever you're at. So if it's at the grocery store, it's at your job, it's at your house, it's wherever you are. He wants you serving him and loving him and being out there shining a light in a dark, dark world. And so, but all that being said, we do have some things here. COVID seems, I'm praying, to be coming to an end. It's drawing down at least some. And so hopefully what's going to happen is, and you've seen it some, we've started cutting some light switches back onto some of the ministries going on. We are going to need you to start plugging back into those places, right? It's a great opportunity, guys. Because I've had people ask me, hey, you know, I, I, uh, I don't give so much money to the church, but I do give my time and talents. Does that, that count? Can I do, is, it, is that okay? And I'm like, hmm, it's both, right? God wants you to give to him and trust him, but he also wants your abilities too. He's, he's gifted you uniquely. You're here for a reason. God brought you to this place because you have something somebody else in this building and in this body does not have. And he wants to use you for it, not because he needs you, but because he wants you. And so we have all kinds of things coming up and, and this shameless plug warning right here later on, we'll put that on the, 
the, the YouTube shameless plug. VBS is coming up. We're doing it a little bit differently, but we need workers. Sign up online. We got uh, preaching camp can't happen the way that it has in the past this year. Hopefully, we'll be back to it next year. But we're doing something in July, early in the morning, 9 to 11. We're having the completed third through completed sixth graders come to the building. The youth and a few other leaders are going to help lead them through some stuff. After that, the youth are going to do an apologetics class. We're going to have some lunch, and we're going to hang out and have some fun. So there's a lot of things coming up, but that's not all that's going on here. Uh, like college and young adults needs people. Worship team needs people. Hospitality needs people. Preschool, we found out today, desperately needs people. But we don't need them. We want them. I, I don't want to hoard all the things that we get to see and get to be a part of and go, these are just ours and we'll just get the ministry done because we can just do it. But we don't want you to miss the blessing of it. We don't to, there, there's going to be an experience that you have with God that's going to teach you and grow you and show you how much he loves you and how faithful he is. So, man, check it out all, all through the worship guide today. There's tons of opportunities for you to be a part of something that's going on here. For you. So, that's free. That was my shameless plug for just a minute. But, um, but, but ultimately, the beauty of it is, just like Paul was saying to the church, he was saying, hey, man, we believe in you and we want you and we love you. And they're going to see this gift that you have, and they're going to praise God for you. And so will we. We're going to get to honor God and bless God because of what you have done and what you continue to do here at Living Hope. So don't stop. Don't quit. It's one of the biggest blessings of working here. We have a faithful body, and you're a joy to serve with. He ends up with this. He says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Paul tells them what I said, that because of their gift, believers in Jerusalem are going to praise God for what he has done in their hearts. Guys, these are Jews and Gentiles given to one another. Who does that? Who changes a man's heart that way? I hate you. I hate you because you hate me. Two, y'all have a need and I have. Why would I not? Because of what's done for me. It's natural for me to, to love you. It's natural for me to care for you. Why? His last statement, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Have you ever gotten anything from God? I, I know your life may be hard. I know it may be tough right now. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... If he never does another thing for you, he's done enough. If we all die and go home today, it's enough. He doesn't have to say or do or give one more cent to you. And he's still the most loving thing you've ever experienced. You cannot say enough. Nothing can be sung enough. There are not words. It is inexpressible. The gift that was given for us on the cross the highest for the lowest. That's a pretty, pretty high price. <clears throat> you know, the last thing I'm going to end with, I was telling y'all, um, in Chronicles, David had taken up an offering for the temple. Well, it didn't start that way. Actually, he started um, supplying the needs himself, and it talked about all the things that he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and it was a lot. And David was, David was doing all right. He could have supplied all the needs for the temple if he wanted to. But at one point, he says, man, this is not right for me to get to keep this to me. I'm going to share it with God's people. And he goes to him, he goes, man, I didn't want to keep this for me. I want you all to be a part of what he's doing. Y'all can give to the temple too. 
And they did. People just poured out what they had. They gave as they had. People gave gems. And if they had, like, precious jewels, they gave those. But they ate, each gave what they could give and had to give. And it gathered together, and they brought it together. And when he saw it, he was astounded. And he prayed this. He said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hands are power and might, and in, you, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, O God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that, that we should be able to thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you. And of your own have we given you. For we were like strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand, and it is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. God, I, I can pray right now, but I won't pray better than that. There has never been anything that we've had that you didn't give us. And so whether it be our time or our abilities or the money that you've trusted us with, we're just giving to you what's yours anyway. And God, for the people in this room that have never trusted you as God, I pray the first step would be that they would give you their lives. That they would turn from their way of doing things to your way of doing things. That they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that out of gratitude, they would say, now my life is yours, God. Take it and do with it what you want. But God, we've prayed that, and so often, Father, I feel like we go, our lives are yours, God. But here, let me keep this, let me keep this, and let me keep this. You've got to pray that it weren't so. I pray that it wasn't so in my life. Help us to trust you, God. Everything in life that is good came from you. Especially your son, Jesus.